One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Thank you guys so much for coming tonight and making the effort, um, not just tonight, but in this season. Um, I know, uh, you know, as I look around the room tonight, the fact that there's people here is amazing. And uh, so many people, and it's just awesome uh, to see what God's doing and uh, just to be together and um, to be together in God's presence. And uh, I, as I was preparing uh, the other day for our time together, I just felt like the Lord put this phrase in my heart that this is spiritually important. That's the phrase I had in my heart, spiritually important. And I know there's all the practical things that have to happen uh, for us to gather together, but uh, I, I want to remind us, I just felt like the Lord reminded me, it's spiritually important to be together. And so thank you guys. I know in this season it's a, it's a little bit um, challenging. Um, the good news is, there's lots of good news, but a good uh, item is this, that we are headed somewhere. And uh, this is not our permanent uh, location in the natural. And um, this isn't our permanent location in terms of where God is taking us. But we're so glad that we can be um, together. But I, I just I want to share for a little bit out of the, the scripture tonight. And then we're going to go back into kind of a, a time of corporate prayer. And um, we're going to involve some of you guys in praying out. So uh, if you uh, get that nervous feeling when you're about to get called on, to pray, uh, go ahead and get that nervous feeling, okay? <laughs> um, you know, I, I said we're, we're going somewhere, and thank the Lord uh, that there is a place that we're going, physical place. Uh, we have a, a building that we are so excited to be able to gather in, not just uh, monthly or even weekly, but to have throughout the week, um, to encounter the presence of God. And... Um, I'm so excited for that. I'm so grateful. Thank you all for all of your contributions, all of your effort uh, financially and uh, in so many ways to make that possible. We're so excited about where God is taking us. Um, but I, I want to speak to you tonight, maybe not so much about where God is taking us, uh, but I, I want to speak to you for a little bit on the thought of not where God is taking us, but who God is making us to be. And it's exciting where we're going. I'm telling you, after being a portable church for so long, uh, I'm telling you, I'm, let me go ahead and tell you, I'm going to run the aisles uh, in our opening Sunday in our building, okay? Just go ahead and get prepared. If uh, you don't want your friends to think your church is weird, don't bring them on that day because I'm going to get weird, okay? Uh, but I'm, I'm excited. Uh, more than where God's taking us physically, I I'm so excited about who God is making us. And that's actually the beautiful thing that God is making us into a people. Uh, he's, he's, uh, we are becoming a people prepared for the Lord. That's what John the Baptist said, that he, that he was a, 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 a preparing a people for the Lord. And that's what we are. We are a people who are being prepared. God is preparing us. And, and I believe even in this season, um, you know, of difficulty and season of, um, you know, unpredictability, I believe God is, is forming us. He's making us 
into the people that he's called us to be. And one of the aspects that, uh, that I feel uh, in my core that God has called us to be is that he's called us to be a people of his presence. He's called us to be a people, as the book of Daniel says, the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Not the people that know about their God. Not even the people that go to church. That's great to go to church, but going to church doesn't matter if you don't know God. And so we want to be a people of the presence of God. We want to be a people that recognize when we gather, we're always listening. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What's that wind that is blowing and how are you moving? And so we want to be a people of the presence of God. But I believe in order to become that, I think one of the most important things that we need to be and need to do is that we need to be a people of prayer. I believe the way that we become a people of the presence of God, that knows the presence of God, uh, and that it moves with the presence of God, is that we become a people of prayer. That's what I want to talk to you about for a little bit tonight, about becoming a people of prayer. And uh, in fact, if I could say this, if there's one thing that we should be as a church, we should be a people of the presence of God, and, and the way that we grow into that is by being a people of prayer. The way you become a person in tune with the Holy Spirit, I believe, is through prayer. And so if I could say it this way, uh, perhaps the most important thing, or there is nothing more important than this in the life of our church, is that we become a people of prayer, that we know how to pray. And that is kind of perpetually running in our hearts. It's kind of like that you know, app that's always on in the background is that there's just prayer perpetually running in our spirits, that, that anything that we face, that, that prayer is, is never far from our lips, never far from our conversations. You know, practically speaking, that we feel comfortable um, praying for one another. Uh, I know sometimes, um, you know, even as a pastor, sometimes people share something with me and I feel like, should I pray for them? Should I not pray for them? Should I just give them the, uh, you know, the obligatory, we'll be praying for you? No, we should pray. We should actually pray and, and be people of prayer. And that's what I, I want us to focus on tonight. In fact, the, the only thing that Jesus ever said, quoting in scripture, that his house should be defined as, or his father's house should be defined as, he said that, uh, my father's house should be a house of prayer, not a house of performance, not a, not a house of even just community, although community is important, um, but, but it always flows out of the place of intimacy with the father. He said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And I think that importance of prayer is also seen in this passage of Scripture that I want to read tonight and look at tonight. And it is uh, in Luke chapter 11. And the disciples come to Jesus. I'm going to try to move quickly through this so we have some time to pray. But Jesus' disciples come to him. And uh, it says this, Jesus had just finished praying. And they came to him and they said, uh, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray? Now, I think it's worth noting that that is the only thing that Jesus' disciples ever asked specifically for him to teach them. Uh, they didn't say, Jesus, teach us to cast out demons, although that was important. 
They, they didn't say, Jesus, teach us to preach, although that was important. They didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to work miracles, although that is important. They didn't say, Jesus, would you teach us that water into wine thing, because I think there's a market for that one. <laughs> they didn't say that. Y'all's laugh sounds really good in here. They didn't say that. The, the one thing that Jesus' disciples asked, and I would say it this way, the priority for his disciples was this, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And, and I believe it's this because they recognized that if they learned how to pray, everything else would flow out of that place. And I, I believe the same thing is true for us, that if we will become a praying people, everything else that God has for us will flow out of that. But also conversely, if, if we have everything else, if we, you know, have um, a beautiful building, if we have, you know, a great uh, production and all of those outward things, uh, but we don't have prayer, uh, I think we could question, are we even a church? Prayer is the thing, I believe, that makes a church a church or one of the, the priorities. And so I want to look at Jesus' response when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Here's what he said, and I want to bring out a few things out of this, and we're going to go back into prayer. Here's what Jesus said, Luke chapter 11, verse 2. He said, when you pray, notice he didn't say if you pray, when you pray, Here's how you are to pray. Now, uh, he gives what has come to be called the Lord's Prayer. And I, I, I want to say up front, I don't believe that this is a uh, formula to follow. It's not a script that we have to read because you don't see any place else in Scripture somebody praying this exact prayer. But I, I do believe that there are principles in this that if we want to be a people of prayer, we need to understand uh, some of these principles that will motivate us in prayer. And so I want to just go through these things and pull out a few, or through these verses and pull out a few aspects of prayer that I believe we need to understand. The first thing he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay? Uh, I want to stop there first. The first aspect of prayer that I want us to just focus on and you can log these away because we're going to pray in just a minute. So hopefully this becomes a little bit of prayer fuel for you. You remember tackling fuel in the water boy? Maybe just me. Jeff does tackling fuel. This is prayer fuel. The first thing <coughs> is that prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. If we're going to become people of prayer, we need to recognize that prayer is personal. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, I, I, I love that phrase, our Father in heaven. For Jewish people to hear this, this would have been thought of as um, very forward, perhaps even scandalous, to call God our Father. But Jesus was revealing this aspect of the character and the nature of God that, that is crucial for us if we're going to become a people of prayer, that we are speaking to our Father. We're speaking to a person. What makes prayer personal is that we're speaking to a person. It, you know, sometimes you see a bumper sticker that says prayer changes things. Let me tell you, prayer doesn't change things. 
God changes things. You can pray, but if you're not praying to God, it doesn't change anything. And which God do we pray to? He says, our Father in heaven, that, that um, original language, and you're probably familiar with this, is the word Abba or Daddy. It's this personal language, this nearness with the Father. Daddy, our Father in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be your name. I don't know if you realize this, that God has a name. God has a name. He's not an impersonal force. He, he's not, uh, as some people, and it's kind of trendy now to talk about the universe. Well, universe is good. It, you, it's just not going to do anything for you. Okay? Uh, let me just clarify. Don't pray to the universe. Okay? It's not, the universe doesn't do anything for you. Sending good vibes doesn't do anything for you. Even sending prayers, sending prayers and good vibes doesn't do anything for you. God does something for you, and he has revealed himself through the person of Jesus. He has a name. He has a face. He has an identity. In fact, through the Old Testament, the, the primary understanding of God's people was that Yahweh is God. Yahweh is Lord. And he was so holy that they wouldn't even dare utter his name. Sometimes they would just say, Yah, Yah. It was as if uh, they, he was too holy to even mention his name. So they would just say, Yah, a breath. But he reveals himself, as I shared last week, he reveals himself as uh, throughout the Old Testament, his nature is revealed through his name. And I believe it's important for us to recognize in prayer, that his name reveals his nature. His name reveals his nature. And so to understand who we're praying to, if you, if you want to become a person of prayer, we want to be people of prayer. We need to understand the nature of God, and it's revealed through his name. I shared with you last week that, that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. He is Jehovah uh, Rapha. He is our healer. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. His name reveals his nature. And so prayer is personal. It's based on the reality of who God is. You see, who you're talking to determines how you speak. And God, uh, Jesus is saying, when you pray, you're speaking to your Father. Therefore, therefore, you can come with boldness. It's personal. It goes on to say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The second thing I want you to see about prayer is this, that not only is prayer personal, but prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. He, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth. On earth. Uh, there's not a power deficit in heaven. There's a power deficit on earth. And God has... has appointed prayer as the means by which the power of God is released from heaven to earth. You see, we live in contested territory. Through Jesus, the kingdom of God has been manifest on the earth, but there are, uh, there are other kingdoms at work. We live in contested territory, much like those that perhaps live along the, the border between Russia and the Ukraine. There are powers that are at war 
in that territory. And the same is true for us that we live in contested territory. And so we have been put here as God's ambassadors or the gatekeepers of heaven, the ones who have been given authority, the ones who have, uh, we could say it this way, the key holders of the kingdom of God. There's a guy here tonight, a wonderful employee of the Orlando Ballet Center, and he is a key holder. He gives us access. He opens the door, and Jesus said this, that I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if, if there is a problem and you need access to the kingdom of God, you have been given access through the authority of Jesus to release the power of heaven into earth. And so it's important if we're going to pray that we understand that prayer is not just personal, but prayer is powerful. Tonight's message is brought to you by the letter P, okay? <laughs> prayer is powerful. I could say it this way, that the gospel is not an escape plan, it's an invasion plan. It's an invasion plan. Jesus said, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is the means that God has appointed to release the power of heaven into earth. In other words, wherever there is something that is outside of the will of God, the purpose of God, outside of the atmosphere of heaven, wherever there is an absence of the will of God, it is an invitation to pray. Whenever there is a problem, whenever we see something on earth that, that does not align with the will of God, we need to see it as an invitation to prayer. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, listen to this verse, then the Lord saw it. He's seeing the injustice in Israel. He sees it and it displeased him. Listen to this, that there was no justice and wondered that there was no intercessor. In God's eyes, he looked and he saw on the earth that there was a lack of justice. There was injustice. And he didn't say, why is there no justice? He said, why isn't there an intercessor? In other words, when God sees a problem, he looks for a person to pray. That means anytime you see uh, uh, injustice in the earth, poverty in the earth, sickness in the earth, immorality in the earth, God is saying, is there an intercessor? Is there a person that will stand in the gap that will say, God, let your kingdom come in this place. And prayer is powerful. Prayer is the means to release the kingdom of God, the power of God on earth as it is in heaven. I love the story. Many of you are probably familiar with the name William Wilberforce. He was the uh, member of parliament in England that, that led the movement towards the abolition of slavery in England. But what you may not know about William Wilberforce is that he would gather with a group of people that were called the, the Clapham Society, or other people called them the Clapham Sect. And it was a little group in an area of London, and they would gather together to pray that slavery would be abolished in England. And, and so, yes, there was an activism in politics but there was first an activism in prayer that gave power, released the power of God 
on earth. And so prayer is powerful. If we face a problem, we should be praying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come in this place. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, Luke says. Uh, the third thing I want you to see is that not only is prayer personal and powerful, but prayer is also provisional. Prayer is provisional. God uses prayer to meet our needs. Or, or we could say it this way, that through prayer, God reveals that he cares about our needs. He cares about what you need. And of course, like any father, he doesn't give his children what they want all the time. Everyone who's a parent knows that. If you give your kids what they want all the time, they become spoiled. <laughs> but God does meet our needs. He does care for us. And it's through prayer that he meets our needs. I love the story of David Yonggi Cho, a, a pastor in South Korea. He was saved from... Uh, life as a, uh, as a Buddhist, and he became a follower of Jesus, and he was traveling around South Korea preaching the gospel and uh, seeing people saved. He ended up becoming the pastor of the largest church in the world. But when he was first starting out in ministry, he tells the story that one day he said to the Lord, Lord, I don't even feel like I, I have what I need to do what you've called me to do. And he said, Lord, I need a, I need a desk. If I'm going to prepare messages, I need a desk. I need a chair that I can sit at. God, if I'm going to travel and go out to the countryside, I need a bicycle. And uh, a few weeks went by, and he still didn't have his desk and his chair and his bicycle. And one day he was kind of frustrated to the Lord. He said, Lord, I thought you said that you would provide for my needs. And God, I need a, I need a desk. I need a chair. I need a bicycle. And, and he said, why haven't you given this to me? And he felt like the Lord just spoke to him. You didn't say what kind you wanted. He, he said, well, Lord, I want, I want a mahogany desk. I, I want a chair that spins. I want a Schwinn steel bicycle. And he tells the story in his book on prayer that before that week was done through miraculous circumstances, he had a mahogany desk, a chair that spins, and a steel bicycle. Now I can tell you that prayers don't always get answered in that way, but God does answer our prayers. God cares about our needs. He cares about our problems. And so we bring our request to the Lord. And so prayer is personal. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is provisional. Then the last thing I want you to see is this. He says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew adds, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The fourth thing I want you to see is that prayer is protective. Prayer is protective. Through prayer, we come under the pr protective shield of God. We lift up the shield of faith in prayer. 
Sometimes today people are comfortable with talking about the thought of evil, but Jesus reveals that evil is not just a concept, but there is in fact a, a source of evil. He, Jesus calls him the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Many people have taken that one out of it and just say deliver us from evil. But Jesus doesn't say deliver us from evil. He says deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. In other words, it's not just protective, but there is, there is a preventative protection. Don't lead us into evil. Don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Let me ask you this question. Could you think about what disasters, what pain, what suffering, what accidents, what injury, what harm, what fear, what terror may have been averted in your life that you don't even know about? And now I know we all face difficulties and so many people have faced difficulties even in the last weeks, of course, through the hurricane. I'd love for us to pray for the Clay family before we go. Kathy, we'd love to pray for you. And we live in a fallen world. There are problems. There is difficulty. There are disasters that come. But how many things have been averted through prayer in the presence of God, the power of God? The Bible says this in Daniel. Um, Daniel, a man of prayer. I love this story in Daniel chapter 10. You know the story of Daniel. He would go into his room every day and pray. And, and the king issued a decree that nobody could pray except to him. But Daniel continued to pray. And one day an angel appeared to Daniel in his room and said this, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Listen to this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So the angel says to Daniel, Daniel, as soon as you started praying, I came. And Daniel says, well, why did it take so long? The prince of Persia, what's he talking about? He's talking about a spiritual power at war in the heavenlies. There, is, there was legislation, immoral, unjust legislation that was happening against God's people. And that's what Daniel was experiencing. But the angel says, Daniel, what you cannot see is that there was actually a battle for 21 days. I came, but I was wrestling with the prince of Persia. How powerful are your prayers? You may kneel down in your room or even tonight in just a moment. I want us to stir ourselves. I know it's the end of the meeting. I know you may be going in a sleep mode. I want to encourage you. Jesus said, can't you even tarry with me one hour in prayer? We're not going to pray an hour. We may pray 15 minutes. But Jesus is saying, in fact, Joel, you can come back up. Jesus didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> Kendall, thank you. The angel says to Daniel, as soon as you started praying, I came. I was activated. That means that angelic forces are activated through our prayers. 
I could tell you stories about times that I remember one time as a kid driving down the road, a car pulling in front of us, and we swerved on I-4, and it was busy, uh, full of traffic, and our car just began to spin down I-4. Now, sometimes it's hard to change lanes on I-4 and not hit a car. We were spinning on I-4, and suddenly we come to a stop in the, in the shoulder of the road facing the right direction. Coincidence? I think it was angelic protection. And Daniel says that when you prayed, angels are released. There's a protective power that is released. I believe we need to be people that pray protection over our children. We need to pray protection over our families. Plead the blood of Jesus over our homes, over our health, over our bodies. That we would live under the protection of God. And so I want us to, to do that tonight. We're going to enter back into worship and we're going to spend some time in prayer. I want to ask you if you would just to stand up to your feet.